Are you a current or future physician assistant wanting to learn more about finances? Then join me on this journey to become a PA the FI way. Hi, my name is Kat and I'm a practicing certified physician assistant who will be your host. It took me five years after I started practicing medicine as a PA to thoroughly dive into my personal finances after I discovered the concept of financial independence. I want to use what I have learned to help you avoid some of the financial mistakes that I have made while sharing some of the financial wins that I have had along the way. Join me as we discuss financial strategies to guide you to becoming a physician assistant on the way to financial independence. Welcome back, everyone, to the PA the FI Way podcast, the podcast that teaches physician assistants how to become financially independent. I'm your host, Kat, and I wanted to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to join me today. The topic of this episode is very important, as I'm sure many of us will have experienced it or have experienced it throughout our careers as PAs. And that topic is burnout. But before we get into the episode today, I wanted first to wish Haley Arsenault an absolute blast as she is currently orbiting over the Earth as the first PA in space as part of the Inspiration4, which was the team that launched in SpaceX's first all-civilian mission to orbit. She also is the youngest American to be in space, and she is a cancer survivor. She also works at St. Jude, where she was treated when she had cancer as a child. I just absolutely love how her story has come full circle. And I do have to admit that I'm slightly jealous of her being able to go to space because one of my childhood dreams was obviously to be an astronaut. I think it's really hard when you're a kid because you kind of want to be many different professions. So I think it's pretty cool how she could be both a medical provider as well as an astronaut. So I wish Haley, as well as the rest of the Inspiration4 crew, safe travels as they finish spinning around the Earth and land back on it. Part of what prompted today's episode on burnout was the fact that in JAPA, which is AAPA's journal that they release, they had an article called Depression, Burnout, and Professional Outcomes Among PAs. If you haven't had a chance to read that article yet, I really encourage you to do so. In today's episode, I would like to review what burnout is, the risks of burnout or why is burnout bad, some contributing factors or causes of burnout, some symptoms of burnout, and what you can do to try to help prevent or treat burnout if you are feeling like you're experiencing it. Finally, I would also like to review how the concept of financial independence can also help combat burnout for some providers. So what is burnout? Burnout is a long-term stress reaction marked by emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, and a lack of sense of personal accomplishment. The exact number of PAs that will experience burnout through their working careers is unknown, but, but data suggests almost half of PAs while other data suggests even more than half of PAs will experience burnout throughout their working careers. Now, it is important to recognize that burnout is not technically a psychiatric disorder. The World Health Organization 
recognizes it as a syndrome, actually. And it's a measure of chronic distress associated with your job. It's also important to recognize that healthcare workers are not the only type of employees that experience burnout. There are many professions that have burnout. You could consider teachers, for example, or law enforcement, especially throughout the recent years, the recent COVID pandemic too. But certainly we in healthcare have experienced a whole lot of extra stress working in medicine during this COVID pandemic. So I'm suspecting that this overview will resonate with a lot of you. So I had just mentioned how there are three parts of burnout. Let's explain them a little bit further. Emotional exhaustion can lead to easily becoming irritable or downhearted. Depersonalization is where you can replace your usual empathy that you have for people with cynicism or negativity. And the lack of sense of personal accomplishment can also be viewed as a low sense of professional effectiveness where you just don't feel that great of a provider You might doubt the quality of work that you do or the meaning of your work. So when you research or read about burnout, there are a couple of analogies that are often used. One is a battery analogy. And with that analogy, it talks about how there are different things in your job, in your career, in life that can drain your energy. And then there are different things that help the battery to recharge. Otherwise, the other analogy that's used is a financial statement or a net worth analogy. And if you have a lot of energy, you're not burnt out, then you are in the black. Otherwise, if you are completely experiencing burnout, then you're in the red. There are some PA specialties that are at higher risk for developing burnout amongst others. And those include emergency medicine, primary care, hospice or palliative care, and oncology. So let's review the risks of burnout. Burnout is both bad for the person, the provider, the PA experiencing the burnout, but it's also bad for others. It's bad for your patients, and it's even bad for the organizations that we work for. So burnout amongst providers, whether it's physicians or PAs, can lead to poor habits and affect us as providers. For example, burnout can lead to higher rates of depression, alcoholism, drug misuse or abuse, higher medical error rates, which puts you at a higher risk for malpractice, and unfortunately, even suicide. So burnout is bad for the patients because again, it could lead to medical errors on their behalf. But Burnout is even bad for the organizations and the companies and the employers that we often work for as providers that sometimes have practices that may even be contributing to our burnout as providers. So burnout can contribute to higher provider and staff turnover. Unfortunately, some offices, some hospitals can be somewhat of revolving doors where There may be a few employees that have stuck around for several years, but otherwise it seems as though there's not much retention there. When the providers or the staff are constantly changing, 
patients aren't as satisfied, but also it can cost the organization's money because sometimes they have to pay a recruiter to find the provider and eventually get the provider hired. Then they have to pay money to credential the provider, train the provider. So it's costly for those companies. Additionally, healthcare burnout is costly for our nation. Research has suggested that the estimated cost of burnout of healthcare workers for the United States is $4.6 billion every single year. That's an astronomical number. So let's review some contributing factors or causes of burnout in healthcare as PAs. Some of these overlap. So the first one is time. As mentioned before, time is one of those non-renewable resources that you have in life. So time is so precious. The time issues that contribute to burnout can be pretty vast, but they can include not having enough time allotted or scheduled for each of your visit types. It can include the fact that the EMR that you are using is suboptimal and takes so much time and so many clicks to work through. It could also be that you have been directed that you need to have a ton of information in your notes. And then that takes you so much time to finish your notes. So you are spending more time at the end of your day where you are charting many times uncompensated. Another contributing factor can be patients. Obviously, we all went into healthcare because we want to help others. We want to treat others. We want others to feel better. So we do have a lot of empathy for our patients. However, if patients are completely rude or inappropriate or sitting there and cussing at you, these things can certainly contribute to burnout. Also, you may feel as though there's increased government interference with your work or increased administrative responsibilities or tasks through your organization where you feel as though more and more duties, more and more requirements keep getting piled on. Additionally, sometimes as providers, we are told that we have to do these duties that really aren't patient-centered, such as a lot of in-basket work or prior auths or phone calls or things like that. It really depends upon the type of practice that you work in. If you do not feel as though you have enough autonomy as a provider as well, that can contribute to burnout. If you have unclear job expectations, you may or may not understand what exactly your role is for the day or for your job in general, and that can cause burnout. Additionally, if you do not feel as though you are compensated well enough, then that can contribute to you feeling discouraged and can lead to burnout as well. So burnout is usually gradual over time. It's usually not really like a light switch where all of a sudden one day you're burnt out. Here are some symptoms and some signs to look out for to try to decide if you're starting to develop burnout. So let's review the physical ones first. These would include things such as fatigue, getting sick more often due to lower immunity, chronic pain or headaches, muscle aches, back pain, or changing your appetite or sleep habits. Some emotional symptoms to look out for can be emotional exhaustion, depersonalization or feeling detached from your patients, 
a sense of failure or self-doubt or feeling imposter syndrome, having less motivation, being more cynical, and not feeling as accomplished as you used to feel. Here are some behavioral symptoms. You could start withdrawing from the responsibilities in life. You could start to isolate yourself from others, including friends or family. You could start to procrastinate more. You could start abusing drugs or alcohol, or perhaps even binge eating to help yourself feel better. You may become more irritable and start exhibiting your frustration more to others, or you may ultimately even decide to start skipping work or showing up late to work. So if any of those symptoms resonated with you as currently having them, you may be experiencing burnout. Or maybe you can think of a period of time in your past where you had those symptoms. Or perhaps some of you maybe noted one or two or a few of those symptoms and you're like, oh boy, I want to try to put an end to this, try to get back on track. To help you do that, let's review different things that you can do to help prevent and treat burnout. So the first item is self-care. And self-care can look so different to so many different people. If you recall, I work in outpatient psychiatry currently. And one of my patients today shared with me that she had seen a therapist who handed her a list of over 200 suggestions of self-care items. I thought that was pretty cool. So some self-care can include essentials to function well, including getting good sleep, eating a healthy diet, exercising, and other forms of self-care can include mindfulness, spending time to enjoy the hobbies that you like, spending quality time with friends and family, getting a massage, getting your nails done, taking the time to read a book that you enjoy, or even taking the time to listen to your favorite podcast. If we go back to those two earlier analogies of the battery analogy or the financial statement or net worth analogy, basically you're looking for those things in your life that re-energize you, charge you up, make you more excited because working in healthcare can be draining. It can deplete you. So you need to make sure that you're working on those things to keep up your motivation and spirits. Besides self-care, there are some other things that can be done to try to prevent or treat burnout. For example, if PAs have some control over their schedule, have some say in perhaps the length of their visit types, what types of patients they feel comfortable seeing versus not, then that can help with burnout too. Additionally, having a cap on your panel size could help. For example, in family medicine, if your panel size were to balloon or just keep increasing, 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 you may still be seeing the same amount of patients every day, but all of a sudden your in-basket or your tasks of all the patients that you have on your panel can't get in to see you and they still have all of their questions or all of their things that they need you to do for them or all of their phone calls or all of their med refills or all of their lab results. So it's pretty important that your workplace has a tentative cap on your panel size. Another thing that can help is adjusting staff ratios. Back when I used to work in family medicine as well, there were some days that we were short-staffed. Let me modify that. It seemed as though we could have used more help quite a bit more often, 
But if people were to call in sick or things like that, that certainly would make it worse. But the company is trying to find the fine balance between having enough support staff to operate the clinic efficiently while not having too much so that they're not just paying people to sit around. So I do understand that from a financial perspective, but it's important that if you feel like you absolutely do not have enough medical assistants or nurses or front desk staff or anything like that, that you try to speak up and see if something can be done about it. Another thing that can help prevent or treat burnout can be adding admin time in. Over my years of practicing as a PA, I have found that admin time can be somewhat hard to come by, especially paid admin time. However, if you do work for an employer that offers that, take advantage of it. Another thing that you can try to do to combat burnout is becoming more proficient in the EMR that you are using and creating shortcuts, whether it's macros or dot phrases, whatever term your EMR uses, doing so can save you time day to day. And even though it can feel as though you're only saving perhaps a few seconds, those do add up with time. And another way of potentially combating burnout is to allow providers who can practice in their area of medicine remotely to be able to do so, whether that's completely work from home or perhaps it's a hybrid version where they're going into the clinic some days of the week and working from home other days of the week. Working from home allows less commute time, which could also play a role into how your time is being eaten up day to day. Another thing that could help or treat burnout is using your PTO or using your vacation time or allotted days off or whatever your workplace calls it. Often there can be somewhat of an incentive not to use your PTO or time away because sometimes you're offered to be able to roll your PTO into the next year. Or if you have allotted days off, which I've had in the past that wasn't true PTO, but it's an amount of days that I could take off per year. If you're not working those days, if you're paid on an RVU model as I was, then you're not getting paid. So it really wasn't paid time off. So some of the providers at my previous clinic didn't have the incentive to take their time off fully for the year because they wanted to earn more money. And I really do completely understand that because after all, this is a financial podcast, right? However, I would use every single day or half day or hour of my time away. I would calculate it out, make sure I used every single minute of it because I viewed it as that it was helping me maintain my sanity. In addition to it was allowing me to be able to enjoy my hobbies such as ice fishing or travel. One final suggestion that I have to prevent or help treat burnout is to consider taking a sabbatical. I have actually heard of some PA positions that offer sabbaticals built into their contracts when you negotiate with them, which is pretty cool. But I would say that for the most part, sabbaticals aren't a commonly used way to combat burnout amongst PAs or other healthcare providers. Now, maybe that really isn't the case. Maybe it's just my bubble where I'm currently living that I've noticed that. But I would venture to say that that's probably the case. You certainly hear about sabbaticals amongst college professors. 
So I do know of other PAs that have taken sabbaticals. And if you are considering a sabbatical, it very likely would have to be unpaid. Again, there are those rare exceptions of jobs that I've seen in some of their postings that they offer sabbaticals, but that's super rare. Most of the time, you would have to build a sabbatical into your working career. So you may decide to take a few months off of work or maybe a year, and you could have the discussion with your employer of, hey, I've really enjoyed working here. I'm going to be taking this time off, and I just want to let you know that. And if you feel as though when I return that I could have a position here, I would really appreciate that and see what they say. Some may say, oh, well, we are really sorry. We're going to have to give your position away to somebody else and we won't have room for you when you return. And you may have to respect that decision. Others may say, hey, we really enjoy you as a provider. You know, this is kind of an interesting thing that you're going to do with your time, but you always have a job here if you decide to return here when you come back. So that's one way to approach a sabbatical. Another way to approach it is if you know that you're going to be quitting your job anyway, you could take three to six months in between that job and the time that you start a new job. And some of that time could be used for job searching and interviews, but also it often can take at least a couple, if not a few or several months to actually get credentialed for your job. So if you feel like you don't financially have to work up until you start your new position, then consider going ahead and taking a sabbatical. And whether you do a staycation for the whole entire time, you're like, I just need to chill, work on some projects, maybe work on your house, or whether you decide to travel around the United States or travel internationally, spend time with friends or family. Sometimes that's what's needed to reset burnout for some people. So how does financial independence play a role in all of this? Well, as previously mentioned, it has costs. It has both monetary costs for the United States, for the organization that you work for, but it also has emotional and mental costs if you are burnt out as a provider because it could lead to substance abuse, depression, even suicide. Additionally, financial independence really is all about empowerment. Even if you aren't at the point of true financial independence, but you have saved enough money set aside to allow you to take some time off of work and take a sabbatical, then that can help with burnout. Or perhaps you and your spouse have worked out where you have been able to cut down on your costs, save and invest so much for the future, and earn a pretty good income, that you're at the point where you have the choice, the freedom, the confidence to speak up for those things that you feel as though that you need in your profession, at your workplace, to help treat or prevent your burnout at that moment. Additionally, it can also give you the empowerment to be able to cut back on your hours. Being on the path to financial independence 
ultimately can give you the decision to say no to the things that you'd like to say no to and yes to the things that you'd like to say yes to. Try to focus on those things that recharge you and try to cut back or eliminate those things that deplete you. Now, many of you may be saying a lot of this stuff sounds a lot easier said than done. Well, honestly, I think that's completely true. I have experienced some of these symptoms of burnout over some of my years of practicing as a PA. And last night, I had dinner with a couple of my PA friends, and I literally said the phrase, I am so bad at self-care because I listed these things that I had to do. And then I also said that I have two massage gift cards in my purse. I think one of them I've had for at least a year or close to a year. And the other, I know I've had for like well over a year, probably two years, and I still haven't booked these massages. I absolutely love massages, but I feel like that I'm constantly running short on time. So it's so easy to just put off self-care over and over again. And this is coming from somebody who is only scheduled for 35 hours per week as a PA. Granted, I very occasionally will pick up some extra shifts in my other position, and I don't have children yet. So for you PAs out there who are working full-time or more and have children, you are absolutely awesome. I really hope that you do take the time to address any of these burnout symptoms that you are experiencing and really try to practice self-care, talk to your employer about the changes that you feel like need to be done, potentially even consider changing a job because a different employer or a different specialty in medicine could potentially be a better fit for you. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your day, because as I've mentioned, time is so precious to listen to this episode. If it resonated with you, I'd love to hear from you. You can head on over to Instagram and find me at PA the FI way and leave a comment or send me a message. Otherwise, you can join the private PA the FI Way Facebook group and post on there, or you can leave a review for the show on the podcast player that you're listening to this on and leave a comment about what you enjoyed. Perhaps you have some coworkers that you've talked with them about how you think that you're both experiencing a little bit of burnout as a PA. Consider sharing this episode with them so hopefully they can find some tools and techniques to try to help them in their profession as well. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'm looking forward to doing this again next week. Thank you for tuning in and I hope that you decide to continue to join me along this journey of becoming a PA the FI way. Please take a moment to press the subscribe button on the platform that you are listening to this on. But more importantly, consider sharing with another current or future PA that could benefit from the information that we reviewed in this episode. Take care and have a great rest of your day. Until next time.